and quite regularly stands alongside the head of state on the balcony at Buckingham Palace. The transformation has been rapid and remarkable, but there's no denying it, and no turning back. In 2001, Mrs. Parker Bowles was voted eighth on the list of worst-dressed women in the world, and told that she packed the stylistic punch of a dilapidated Yorkshire pudding. In 2005, the Duchess of Cornwall's dress sense was commended in London, New York, Paris, and Rome, and was cited by one previously critical fashion correspondent as being the epitome of graceful, dignified style. Anna Wintour, editor of American Vogue, met her and was blown away. I couldn't take my eyes off her, she enthused. She looked marvellous. The vilified mistress, frequently described, even in the run-up to her wedding, as looking like a horse, is now saluted for her natural appearance, her impeccable grooming, her luminous skin, her immaculate hair, the cut and colour both exactly right, and her charming manner. According to the Daily Mail, for years consistently hostile to Camilla, when she smiles these days, she looks real, soigné, yes, but also approachable almost soft to the touch. The Duchess of Cornwall now looks the part of a twenty-first-century senior royal, elegant yet real, regal yet approachable, soft to the touch. She looks the part, and she plays it too. The mistress, who once lurked in the shadows, who spent years dodging the paparazzi, now faces the cameras willingly and on an almost daily basis. Where the Prince of Wales goes, the Duchess of Cornwall goes too. If you look at the court circular, published daily in the Times and the Daily Telegraph, or check out the Prince of Wales's website, www.princeofwales.gov.uk, I believe you'll be surprised at the number and range of official engagements Camilla now undertakes in the company of her new husband. I've watched her on parade at close quarters, and I can report that on duty, she does what she does very well, meeting both the general public and the run of those whom royals are required to meet, old soldiers, young people, mayors, matrons, farmers, firemen, politicians, patients. She is invariably friendly, interested, unaffected, unstuffy, and ungrand. Over the years, as a reporter, as a politician, as a supporter of different charities, I've been alongside an assortment of royal ladies as they've gone about their official duties, and from all I've seen, comparatively inexperienced as she still is, the Duchess of Cornwall is as good as any of them, and better than most. I have no doubt that one day, if Charles survives his mother, as he's likely to do, Camilla will be queen, and a popular queen at that. According to an ICM opinion survey published in the Daily Mail at the end of March 2006, public support for Camilla to become queen when Charles becomes king doubled in the year since the wedding. Camilla's appearance and her easy, unpushy manner and her unspectacular but undoubted success on her first official overseas tours with her husband, first to the United States and then to India, Egypt and Saudi Arabia, and, perhaps most especially, the endorsement she received from her stepsons. We love her to bits, said Prince Harry in a truly twenty-first century soundbite, have all helped secure and enhance her position. Now, says Prince Charles, everyone can see what I have always seen. They can begin to know her as she really is.
When I embarked on the research for this book, I knew very little about Mrs. Parker Bowles. I'd met her and warmed to her. I was friends with several people who were friends of hers. I knew what I had read, what no one could avoid reading, in the press. But of her heritage, the extraordinary story of her keppel and her shanned forebears, and of their royal associations going back over several centuries, and of her own upbringing and nature, I knew next to nothing. I've enjoyed the journey of discovery. The backstory is more interesting than I'd realized, and helps to explain why she's where she now is, why she and Prince Charles are so at ease with one another, and why the rest of the royal family, once so resistant to her, have now accepted her as one of their own. I began writing this book having recently completed an informal account of the lives and marriage of the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh.